Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Women should be buying buildings, not shoes. Luckily, today I'm joined with Renee Cohen, financial advisor. She is going to be taking us through three power money moves every woman should be doing right now. Let's get carried away. Um, Welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. Joining me today is Renee Cohen, financial planner. Her goal is to help women have a healthy mindset. She wants to demystify financial planning and show women how to manage their money thoughtfully and protectively. Renee, I'm so excited you're here to join us to talk about one of my favorite topics, money. Um, but it's also very taboo with women. I'm sure you, we don't grow up learning about money. We, we have to, you know, take square dancing classes. But I would, I'm excited to have you here sharing with the Broad Network and beyond all your expertise. Hi, Renee. Hi, Carrie. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for welcoming me. Absolutely. Now tell me about how you got into financial planning, because I'm sure Renee, five-year-old Renee, was, didn't look up at her parents and say, I'm going to be a finance planner. No, I certainly did not. Uh, <laughs> little Renee uh, always wanted to work in sports um, for as long as I can remember. I grew up a fanatical Michael Jordan fan. Uh, I grew up in New York, so oh. for those of you that... Uh, uh, can remember the late or the, the nineties, uh, yes. Knicks bull series. I grew up in New York and I was not a Knicks fan. I was wow. a fan. So, um, but I think it really exposed me to, it was really the first time where I was like, Oh, I want to work in sports. I don't think I even understood what that meant. And that really just resonated really throughout the, throughout my life. Uh, my, you know, um, my teenage years, and then certainly going into college. It actually is the reason why I picked going to the University of Florida, because I want, I was such a sports fanatic. I wanted to combine the academics with also seeing my, my team um, on TV and competing for national championships and combined with the nice warm weather that we have in Florida, you know, that's in Florida. So Um, and I pursued that when I was in school, I knew that I wanted to get into sports. So I immediately worked as a student volunteer in the athletic department, which then exposed me to college athletics more so than professional sports and really fell in love with the collegiate, uh, the collegiate side of athletics and thought I want to be an athletic director. So four years at the university of Florida, the athletic director at the time, he'd been there for so many years and was, was, I put him on such a pedestal and he was someone really well-renowned in the, in the industry. And I was just like, I want to be you one day. And so right out of school, I was thankful where he was a mentor to me. And then right out of school, I got an internship at the university of Miami and making basically no money, but I was working for the athletic director and through that opportunity is when I realized I was like, Oh, I actually don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the, the low risk of that is I was only making $5 an hour as an intern. So, right. You know, it wasn't really, but my parents were like, okay, you've re- realized that and you're not making any money. So now you got to figure out what, re- what you really want to do. 
I really still wanted to work in sports, which led me to finding an opportunity in Los Angeles, uh, instead of going back to New York and living with my parents and trying to find something, which sounds so daunting at, you know, at early age, I came to Los Angeles. I found a job at Fox sports, uh, managing what was, uh, their collegiate properties. Um, and it just sounded, it was like a perfect opportunity for me to really launch my career. So, uh, I really had a sports, you know, I was, that's really what I kind of, um, navigated into. And I worked for Fox for 10 years before I went into this world of financial planning. Um, and it really was, I found my calling through my previous career. And I think so many times for a lot of us is that we really identify with our career or our, our careers become our identity. And that certainly was for me because I've had this dream. It, even if it wasn't fully clear, it's just like, Oh, I want to work in sports. And then you don't really think about all of the, the nuances that happen in a career that happen in your personal life and how to really put it all together. All the, the political things that go on in a, in an office and a corporation and all, oh. and how maybe it doesn't fit you. And I think when I'm able to take a step back, it was like that experience is what actually helped me realize what my calling was. And that's how I got into financial planning. I love that. Do you know Olivia Christian? I do. Yes. Oh, okay. Sure. Because uh, as you were talking about sports, I was like, oh, you got to know Olivia. Oh yes. Olivia and I, yes, we, uh, we, um, yes, we do know each other. We're friends. We've collaborated. And that's so great. Awesome. Yeah. Hashtag bra collaboration. Yep. I love it. Um, exactly. That's what, I love Olivia. Power, power of networking and what exactly. you're doing. Exactly. That's so great. She's just as passionate about sports. Um, anyways, so <laughs> that's a great connection. I'm glad to hear that. So when, when you started financial planning, did you specifically seek out working with women or entrepreneurs or were you just like, I'll take it all? Well, I think anytime you're starting out in something, you're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, but I, I think as I really navigated, uh, my, my career in corporate that just happened to be in sports. So I was really living out my dream, but, and again, it's nothing against Fox. I think it's a lot of corporate jobs and we're taking our, ourselves back. I mean, I left eight years ago. So we're really talking about the early two thousands to mid two thousands where I think I really got caught in that mid management level. Uh where I was, my responsibilities were increasing, but I wasn't really seeing the financial component to it. Um, and it was really just the, especially being a woman, it was, well, you should be thankful that you have this opportunity. It's like a good resume builder, but I'm like, well, when do I actually make money? Like, when do I, as a single woman, I think I had just turned 30 and I was just like, when do I get to make money that I shouldn't just have to rely on a man to like bring, you know, to be the breadwinner in my family. So, or my household. Um, I think as I started to plant those seeds into my head and get more frustrated or just really like, I should be smarter with my money. I'm not really doing anything that's smart with my money other than putting money into my 401k. I started to have conversations with my girlfriends about like, we need to talk about this because a man is not a plan um, or a partner isn't a plan, right? right. It, regardless of uh, your, your orientation in any sort of way, it's just like, you have to be the CEO and the visionary of your own life and what you can bring to the table in that relationship. And I think there's so much stigma. There's so much societal pressure for women in their thirties about this is what you're supposed to be at this point. This is how, this is what you're supposed to be 
societally. And then secondary is, oh, well, if you bring, if you bring money to the table, great. So I just wanted to have those conversations with girlfriends. And so then I saw, I saw the lack uh, and the need to really for, to educate women because we weren't high net worth people. We weren't able to just call a financial advisor, be like, how do I invest my money when I have no money to invest? Right. So that's really, I saw the gap in that and, um, really had those conversations with my girlfriends. And so when I, when I, when I, which really was revealed to me, I knew I found a calling, but then I got terrified of changing and pivoting my career. I'm like, what are people going to think of me? And what, how do I even find a client? And how do I go from a W2 income, a stable income into something that I just is this unknown um, for myself. And I knew that I wanted to work with women. And I think what I have seen over the last seven, eight years as I've been doing this is really that I work with women in corporate. I work with entrepreneurs, but the, the, the navigation of our, the, the evolution, I should say, is that a lot of women are migrating into the entrepreneurial space, even if it's maybe a side gig in their, in their corporate career. Um, maybe it is as industries are changing, they're going into the consulting space and then find, and, and then finding their passion. Um, so it's really both. Uh, I don't, I, I love working with both, um, but specifically women. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you're going to share with us three power money moves every woman should be doing. But before you share that, I want to know what's one thing women should stop doing when it comes to money or financial planning or investing? What's something we all need to stop doing right now? Stop telling ourselves that we are not good at money. Brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know I, I read recently that um, when men get money, you know, they have revenue and they're getting it, they invest it. They immediately put it back in to make more money. But when women start to see more revenue coming in, they, they want to see it. They want to see it in, you know, oh, or they give it away. They want to give it to the nonprofit. They want to give it to, you know, pay off a car payment or they want to see their money. And they don't think I have it. I don't have enough money to invest. And I think that demystifying investing, do you need a million dollars to invest? I mean, where can, what's an entry-level investment opportunity? Well, I think it's relative to, to everyone, but, um, I think when it comes to women, what I find, and I know this for myself as well, is that we're more risk aware than we are risk conservative. I think so much we're force fed that, oh, we're women are conservative. It's that we're more risk aware. And because of that, we like to have the education around where to put money, whether that's going back and investing into our businesses while we're also thinking about, you know, securing our future, because inherently women, we do think about the future. We, we want to be able to balance our family life, our social life, but then it, and not arrive to our future self being, you know, completely, you know, broke and, and not having, right. a, you know, anything. So we, we do, we, I think we're, we do balance the, those thoughts. We are just more aware of what the risks are. So I find that um, women, we just need that education as to where to put money. So I then have the mental freedom to go invest in my business. If I know that, yeah, I should go invest this in my business. And maybe I'm, 
not putting as much as I want to put in this bucket, but if I, if I invest here, then I will, it will, I will, I will be able to catch up or reap the award, you know, maybe next year or the year after, especially if you're mm-hmm. a business owner, I find a lot of that type of conversation. And I think the fear too is, well, I don't have a lot of money, so I can't invest. And that, I think that really used to be the case is that you didn't have that education or you didn't really you didn't get that education. You didn't have that partnership and advisor. If you didn't have $500,000 of investable assets, no way would someone, you know, talk to you. Um, and a lot of advisors still won't talk to someone unless sure. you have a lot of money. Cause that's how they get paid. And that's not a, it's not that it's a bad thing in any sort of way. It's just that it, it creates an environment where the rich get richer. Um, and so you need to have entry points. And I do like, that if you do have, you know, a lower, if you want to get your foot in the game, I think the robo advising platforms like the, you know, the Betterment, the Acorns, um, maybe even the LBEST mm-hmm. give you those opportunities to get your foot in the game. At some point, as you are increasing, either putting more money in and, and that count value increases, at some point, you need professional guidance. Those robo platforms aren't going to factor in all of the things that are navigating and happening in your life. It's just looking at the silo of, here's this investment account. But I do like it for the fact that it helps more women get their foot in the game. Yeah, I love that. I also find that you know, I obviously invest. <laughs> Everyone yeah. should be, um, especially once I had children. I was just like, okay, we can't just you know live on top ramen and grilled cheese. So I can build a business. We need to like put things in place and everything. Um, my financial planner is a woman, um, and we con- we talk constantly about like you know like okay, so we're getting a tax return. Where should I put this? Should I put it in my business? Should I put it in? the 401k or should I put it in the 520? What's the 529? Thank you. (laughs) The college fund, you know, this, this little egg, or do I, I want to go to Spain? (laughs) You know, how can I do both? (laughs) But it's, it's really, I think really important for every woman, um, business owner, teacher, entrepreneur to have a friend like you, um, and to get themselves in the game full circle there. Um, because the money's going to keep making money, whether you're involved in it or not. So ladies get, get in there and get to know Renee right away. Um, so tell me about your, your advice, your three power money moves that every woman should be doing. I I can't wait to hear these three and I'm hoping I'm doing them. Yes. Uh, and I think it's to, it sounds oversimplified, right? It's to, mm-hmm. it's to it's, and obviously within each of these moves, there's a lot of strategies in it, and it's relative to what's your personal situation. And, but I think on a high level, those three things, the three power moves and the way to really organize it to just, again, to simplify it for women. So, because it feels like this, this, this topic can be so complicated. And then, and I think sometimes the reaction is then not to do anything. So the three things is first and foremost is to protect against any unexpected risk, right? Is to be able to manage and mitigate risk that you're unwilling to participate in. Such as is protecting your income, right? Cause as your greatest asset is you being able to generate income, whether you're in a corporate setting or whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you have W-2 income or you have variable income through a business. 
uh, you being able to work is your greatest asset. It's not the home that you're going to buy one day. It's not the home that you're sitting in. And I think so much that we think that our material assets are mm-hmm. our greatest assets when you really are your best asset. So if you're not protecting your income through disability insurance, and that's such a misnomer because most people will be like, oh, I'll never get disabled, or I can do my job with my brain, with, you know, as long as I don't have my brain oozing out of my ear. Right. Um, and that's just not the case is you have to think about when I really show the impact of if this is what I'm making on a year to year basis and that never changes. And, and I have a, you know, I have 20 years or 25 years or 30 years to retirement. Most likely that is an eight figure. That's an eight figure asset. Yeah. And would you buy an eight figure home without buying homeowners insurance? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> So why would you not protect your income? Because it's not about in that moment, I'm unable to work. Yeah, you may be able to get by, but you're not able to maybe save into the 401k or into your investment accounts as well, or into the 529s. And so maybe you're out of work for, maybe it's not two weeks, maybe it's four months, maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year. I have a client who had a snowboarding accident in January of 2018 and is still out of work. Wow. You know, so those are things, but we have those protections in place where as much as he's rehabbing, we've protected, we've put the hole over his income. His corporate benefits didn't fully cover him. Sure. Yeah. You know, and health insurance is a whole nother topic with on another podcast, but yeah, I have no doubt his health benefits didn't cover a snowboarding accident. No. So it's healthcare. So the three things to look at is your healthcare and in our in our society or in our country, I should say, it is wrapped around, you know, our employers. And so, for us yeah. entrepreneurs, you're usually having to broker that, find it, find it yourself. And premiums can be really, really high. But it's important to have healthcare, um, to look at what you get through your employers, and then you know to supplement and to make sure it's covering your needs. To look at the disability insurance and to look at your life insurance. It is the two things. One, if you're a parent, the cost of being a parent is to have life insurance because your kid's future is the most important thing. God forbid if there's a premature death. And if you're single and you're like, whatever, no one really, you know, much of my family would be sad. They aren't financially relying on me. Well, what does your future self say? Do you want to be married? Do you want to have children one day? As women, we're delaying that. So the younger you do it, the, the more insurable you are. Absolutely. And the lower it is, ladies, if you're like 27, get life insurance. It's so cheap. I mean, I started my life insurance fairly young, but I wish I got it even younger. And, you know, and, you know, my parents, you know, I guess it's very generational. It's like, oh, well, you don't need that until you get married and you have kids. Well, you know, I'm 42 and I'm still not married and don't have kids. And I live a very, very happy full life. But I still, I do want to have that one at one point, at some point, I should say. Yeah. But um, if I waited until now, you know, it just would be exponentially more expensive. It really would. And then you would have to, you know, have all declared kind of dis have to very much divulge any pre-existing conditions where when you're 27, you're like, eh, I can stay up all night and go to work the next day. It's totally fine. Totally fine. My but- blood pressure is so calm. <laughs> yeah. I can drink that bottle of wine and like, as if it's water, you know? 
Like it's so different. Um, so different. That's 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 great advice. Um, when so, you think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, when do you think women, whether in corporate or entrepreneurs or whatever they're doing, when should they get into this financial game? When when is it they're like, okay, I'm. I'm what are the pain points they're feeling that they need to find someone like you? I think the pain points is when you've checked off the basic boxes, right? Like you're, you have, you're contributing to your 401k. If you get a, you know, if you're being offered a 401k through, uh, through your employer and you're doing at least the match, you are making sure that you, uh, covering your, your salary, maybe your salary. Um, but now there's a gap between what your employer coverage is and what you, and what your salary is. And, and, and then same thing on the life insurance side. And then you still are able to save each month, meaning that, okay, I'm, put, I'm you know, putting some money into the 401k. Yep. That's retirement, but there's a whole lot of life that's going to happen before retirement. What should I do with my money between now and then? And that's really where the guidance and the advice of having a personal relationship helps you navigate through those decisions and priorities and, and, and to really create that roadmap and saying, okay, let's live life today, but we also let's, let's be an advocate for our future self and for, you know, and have that foresight without sacrificing your lifestyle today. And I think so many, so much that women and a lot of people think that if I, if I work with someone, I'm just going to be eating ramen noodles or just going to make me save everything. And that's really not the case. And that's not the new generation of financial planning. It really is how to live within your means, have a lifestyle doesn't mean going completely off the rails, but how to have a lifestyle and prioritize and to save for your future self as well. I love that. I love that. It's so unbelievably important to, you know, not only to save for the things you can't anticipate, but for the things you can't, right? They exactly. get in a car accident or you have a snowboarding accident or something like that, but also then to not be dependent on a spouse, your parents and become this kind of financial burden, um, which to me is probably the primary reason we put so much away because, you know, if something were to happen to my husband and I, I don't want my children to be like, well, I got to drop out of college and go to work so I can pay for these medical bills or whatever the case may be. Totally. Um, yeah. And you got to act on it. And I'm sure in your experience, when women are coming to you, they're like, okay, I got this extra cash. I got like an extra 500, $1,500 a month. Where's the first place they should put it? Should they, well, should they yeah, should yeah. they like bring down debt or do you think like, let's put it a little bit in the stock market or are we going to put it in a living trust? What do you think? Yeah, well, it leads to the second power move, which is to save and invest for your future goals. And, you know, it's going to be different for every for every single person. So, you know, I know that sometimes that can feel disappointing to, because people are always looking for that magic, you know, that magic bullet and say, okay, this is exactly what I should do. But the reality is everyone's situation is different. Generally speaking, you know, if you are carrying, if you have a lot of debt, and what I mean by debt is credit cards. Um, and paying high interest credit cards, yeah. uh, you know, the student loans and certainly a mortgage student loans are a pain point for a lot of people and totally, totally get that, but they're usually lower interest rates, no matter how much they are a thorn on people's size, they are usually lower interest rates than the high interest rates, credit cards that I see people in. So, and then mortgages, you know, is, yeah. is it, it's a good debt to have. So 
if you're carrying credit card debt and you're in this hamster wheel of like, all I'm doing is paying off credit cards and maybe I've made past mistakes. I certainly have done that. I've racked up credit cards where I couldn't even, I was like, I don't even, I'm just like on this hamster wheel and I'm like licking the wheel because I can't get off of it. Um, then it is to focus on paying down debt, you know, as, and then maybe save a little bit more in cash, but there, that's really where a debt management strategy comes into it. And, but I'm not a proponent of just saving or paying down debt. And then I, and then I can do this because the reality is, is, and I hear this all the time, especially when it comes to student loans is like, I just want to pay off my student loans and then I'll be able to do this. Well, what happens if that takes you eight years? What happens if that takes you five years? You've just lost out on five years of compound growth and being able to put money into other places, even if it's just a little bit. So that's really where, you know, having, having that guidance and that, and, and to be able to prioritize and to be able to look at it from a different perspective and say, yes, maybe a priority is to pay down the debt, but if I can just shave a little bit off here and put it towards maybe this bucket, maybe it is putting it into investing outside of my 401k, then Mm -hmm. I can really benefit in five years and I'll be able to put even more into it. So to answer your question, you know, I like to, I like to also then organize this saving and investing power move into, into five main buckets. Doesn't mean that you have to have all five and I'll explain it in a second, but first and foremost, you should have an emergency fund, which also is, a, also lends itself to a, in, into the protection piece. So that's a bucket of cash, three to six months worth of living expenses. The second bucket, a 401k or a retirement account that mm-hmm. helps with tax deductible dollars. For us entrepreneurs, you know how important it is to find ways to deduct your taxable oh, yeah. So we need a tax deductible bucket. The third bucket is tax-free because the tax deductible bucket, we're, tick, we're kicking the tax can down the road. We're 100% going to be paying taxes on those, on those contributions and those earnings. And I don't know about you, but I don't think Uncle Sam is really cute. And I certainly do not want him to be in my bed in retirement. No. No. <laughs> don't no. want to be sleeping with Uncle you Sam. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go. Um, he's not the person you want in your bed. So in order to make sure he's not in your bed, you have to have some, you have to have dollars that are more tax favorable, tax-free bucket, which in the traditional sense is the Roth IRA, where you can put dollars into a V, you know, the Roth IRA with after-tax dollars. So you're not taxed on the back end. The problem with the Roth is that a lot of people, especially here in Los Angeles, you, um, are ineligible to contribute into a Roth in the traditional sense because of income levels. And, but there's other ways, doesn't mean that you're not able to put money into, into a tax-free bucket, but you still need to have the non-traditional ways of putting tax, have building tax-free dollars. Mm -hmm. The fourth bucket is investments, getting your foot in the investment game. That's not just retirement. It's, it's for the life that happens before retirement, and, and can certainly lend itself and, and bleed into reti- a retirement picture, but you're getting your foot in the game that the IRS doesn't have the rules and regulations around how much money you can put in on a year to year basis um, and your in- and income eligibilities and all of that. So that's investing in stocks and bonds and mutual funds. You know, if you're starting out, I'm a proponent of mutual funds. If you have a healthier uh, investment uh, level, um, 
Personally, I like to see when, when people have more than $500,000, you can then you can diversify your portfolio in individual stocks a lot better to mitigate those risks than if you have $3,000 or $5,000. And then the fourth, the fifth bucket is real estate and doesn't mean that you have to have real estate. And that is, is really important, you know, to really emphasize, especially for us here in Los Angeles, where the cost of owning a home is really high. Um, real estate's a great asset, but I think so much in our society, we hear like, you have to buy a home, you know, in order to build wealth, generational wealth, it has to be through real estate. And real estate's a great asset, but I see too many people here being house poor that it's like anything. If you're putting all of your money into the 401k, well, you know, you're going to be paying, completely paying taxes later. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're putting all of your money into, into the house and you can't save into anything else, well, is that house the best asset for you? So it's really about balancing all five of those buckets. I love that. And hey, everyone, pro tip, you can actually invest in real estate, not in California. <laughs> exactly. Like there's the invest- and there's different tax advantages, you know, owning primary residence versus investment properties. And there's all of that. Oh, sure. You know, there's definitely ways to get into the, into the real estate game without the daunting for people that may not be in it for the daunting thought of like, how the hell am I going to afford, you know, a $2 million home? in Los Angeles or maybe San Francisco. And we'll see what happens with the housing market over the next year or so. Yeah, it should be interesting. One of my previous guests was Monique Calm, and she's also a bra member who works with real estate investing for women, you know, Mm -hmm. and she talked about creating a syndicate. So creating like eight women coming in together to invest in a single property, as opposed to one person carrying the whole burden. And particularly seeking commercial property investment because the taxes are so much lower than residential. Um, Just that's another podcast for another day. You guys can go back and listen to that one. I'm sure it's very fascinating. I I need to go back and listen to it as well. Yeah, she's You two should actually get to know each other because she talks about the real estate side, how to find a good property, but you could come and say, here's the financial side of how you're going to get that property. Exactly. Yes, for sure. I love that. And what's our last power move? Or was that our our third one? No, that that was the second one. And then the third one is to preserve what you have built and what you are building. And I think a lot of times people really discount this is that it's really the estate planning because that word estate means like, oh, I'm like super rich and super wealthy, but every single person needs to, regardless of what your net worth is and what you're building too. You don't have to be Jay-Z and Beyonce. You don't have to be Bill Gates. We all have a net worth and it really becomes the legacy piece. What do you want to pass on and what is your legacy? And it doesn't mean that you have to think about, um, you know, have be fully clear, but the things that are really important now um, is for, everyone should have, regardless, is a health directive, and that yes. is to make sure that if I'm, if you're unable, you go in the hospital, you're on a ventilator. We're living in COVID, and I think I saw such an influx of this, you know, especially at the at the onset of COVID, was that if you are in a ventilator because of COVID, who can make medical decisions for you? So single, married, whatever, make sure that you have a health directive because you need to make sure that someone can make those medical with your wishes. Um, A power of attorney, a durable power of attorney is important because if you're incapacitated, who can continue to make decisions for you, pay your bills, to run, run your life, to make sure that 
you know, things are not falling, you know, completely falling apart. So that's what a durable power of attorney, it usually kicks in if you're incapacitated. Those are really important. And then also having a will. I think a lot of times, and I hear this from a lot of my single women is like, well, I don't need a will. Well, you don't want your stuff going to probate. So, <laughs> so that, and what probate is, is a lot of people don't realize that's going to the court, the court to decide maybe you have a four, you know, even if you have designated beneficiaries on your accounts, you still should have a will because most of us still have things that aren't labeled as a designated beneficiary. Maybe there's jewelry, there's something valuable to you. I want that to go to this person. So to have a will is important. And then if you have more complex situation, and especially with children and and a lot of different assets is to put that into irrevocable trust. And because all of those things, you know, to have designated beneficiaries, to have a will, to, you know, to have a revocable trust, it all at least keeps things out of probate um, and, and not make the courts decide. And it's important to make sure that you're organizing that, especially for the parents that are on here, you know, think about the guardianship and make it for your kids. And as much as these conversations are uncomfortable to have, when you can have uncomfortable conversations now with each other or, you know, and, and understand what you want for your children, then, you know, with the life insurance, with the, with the estate planning, the better off that if there, God forbid, there's a what if, then you're not having to have a GoFundMe account. You have a plan in place and your family doesn't have the financial stress compounded by the emotional stress. So, so smart. I know when my grandparents passed away, you know, they grew up in the depression um, and they had nothing in place. They had nothing written. All they had was power attorney to my mom, who was the eldest daughter of six. So now she has five siblings who all have an opinion, who all are also very emotional. They've all lost their parents um, and they all think something else should be done. Um, And it was a hot mess. And watching my mom go through that, it also motivated her to be like, I got to have all this in writing. I don't want to do this to my kids. But I didn't even have kids at the time. I think it was like me and my cat. But I was like, I'm going to write something down. I don't know if it's legal, but I don't want it to get a hot mess. And and somebody please clear out my search, you know, history on my computer. Here's the password. (laughs) But it's so unbelievably important um, to have it written down so you can win it and hopefully not, but there will be a time when you're not going to be on this planet. I'm sorry, everyone, but you need to make sure that people are acting on your behalf. Totally. And to evolve it. And to evolve it. It means, and I think sometimes with financial planning, financial planning is, Oh, I got this done or I've I've had this conversation. I never have to do it again. It's really meant it's fluid and it evolves with you, you know, and you have to, you have to address these things. Do the policies that I have today that I put in 10 years ago, do they still fit me? Do I need to make adjustments? Do the estate plan, the will that I, that I, so many times I see parents that are like, oh yeah, we did this. And when the kids were born and then we haven't looked at it again, I'm like, well, do they, do you still talk to the people that you said that you were going to leave your kids to? Are they um, still married? Do you are they want still them? married? Yeah. And, and to your point, I see too many times when people don't have these things tied together, it can fracture families. Yes. It can yeah. really fracture families. And yeah. that's where you really want to. Uh, you know, really preserve that and have these conversations so you can 
not only preserve your family, but then also to leave so much of it is really generational wealth. And what generational wealth isn't saying that I have to be super, super wealthy. It means how do I want to pass on what I have worked so hard for just to give my kids and maybe the next generation, maybe it's a niece, maybe it's a nephew, maybe it's charity, maybe it's a, you know, your alma mater, whatever it may be is I just want to be able to leave something behind to give them, you know, to plant the seed uh, to give them a little bit more than what I had starting out. Um, And that's really what generational wealth is. Um, And it's really important to think through all of those things. Absolutely. And that is, can, it's a very good point because as I'm listening to you, when we set up my direct, my daughter's now 13, we haven't looked at it since she, since we set it up. And now I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Just to, you know, when you're looking at your plan, I think that planning should be, doesn't have to be this arduous, like, Oh, I think we sometimes think about it. Like, Oh my God, it's like this long drawn out thing that I have to do and maybe prepare myself. If you just, you know, at least on an annual basis is to look at your plan. If you're working with someone is to at least do check-ins at least twice a year. Um, but you know, the end of the year, I always think the end of the year is a good time or the beginning of the new year is like a good time frame to say, Hey, let's, you know, look at things and let me make sure that my plans in place. I'm strategizing for the next year. Do the policies still fit me? Does, is my will up to date? My trust up to date? All these things because life moves really, really fast. Even if this year, even though it felt this year has felt like a, a one big Groundhog's Day, but I know it's also moved really fast as well. Yeah, it um, really has. The days yeah. are are long, but the weeks are fast. Yeah, like how are we already <laughs> December? <laughs> December? <laughs> Well, yeah, I said September. I meant December. I don't even know. Yeah. You know I don't even know my months anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's so, Renee, this is so, so helpful. I can't even tell you how many women need to hear this, but to remind themselves that they are worthy to be investors. They are worthy to have a will, even if they are single um, and it, they're just a dog mom. It doesn't matter, ladies. You dog are mom. worth it. <laughs> you are worth it for sure. Yeah. And it's time to like, do something with your money. Don't sit on it and buy a new handbag. <laughs> no, and you can maybe buy that handbag while you're investing as well. I think it's about <laughs> women getting in the game because, listen, uh, regardless of your political preferences, Biden just put together, you know, an all-female communications team. It just shows how powerful that, and and the you know the treasury secretary, the treasury secretary is a is a woman. Like mm-hmm. it is really, it just shows us if we can really band together and make sure, hold each other accountable, have these kind of conversations, get our foot in the investment game, in the, in the money game, not just the investment game, because investment is just a piece of your financial plan, but get in the money game and to, and to eliminate any of the limiting beliefs. We've all made mistakes. I've certainly made my share of, of financial mistakes. You can start where you are today. Don't vilify yourself for where you were before. And if we can just really say we want to, we we are going to own this and be the visionary in our lives. How powerful can we be? Preach, yes, I agree so much. And charge what you're worth, ladies. Don't undervalue yourself by giving. You know, I got a slew of emails over you know the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Everybody is discounting things. It's like discount, discount, discount. It's like, what kind of customer is going to finally buy from you that you now are giving 70% off? You're never going to yeah. see them again. They might buy from you, but you're never going to see them again. It's transactional. So, 
you should definitely always charge what you're worth. And for those, you know, cause I know that a lot of your listeners are in the entrepreneurial space. And I, it, and I think the thing that I get from a lot of entrepreneurs is like, well, there's no way that I can start some of these things because I'm literally either paycheck to paycheck, whatever I'm bringing in, I got to invest back in the business. If I have money to invest back in the business. And that's really where the, sometimes the limiting beliefs really bleed in even more is that I, you know, I I'm not worthy of this or I can't do this. It could be hard right now. And I'm not discounting that I've been through my challenges as well. It is really about, okay, how can I see a light that someone else, that someone else can see for me that I can't see for myself. So even if I'm unable to save and feel like I'm, uh, that I'm able to do the things that I want to be doing right now. What is that roadmap to get there? And that to me is being able to have that, that one-on-one relationship and just to be able to navigate that conversation is much more valuable, but you have to want it for yourself and you have to really want to work through some of your limiting beliefs when it comes to money, whether that's prepackaged into adulthood from your upbringing or as an entrepreneur, if you're in that space of the, these, the ups and downs and the role, the emotional roller coaster that, that, that entrepreneurial can bring to you. Yeah, sure. Especially if they're going gig to gig to gig, yeah. you know, it's, it's very, you know, one month you may be making, you know, 10, you know, 10, figures in one month, you're making like five. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, months. yeah. And so how do you even that out? And it's going to be different for every entrepreneur, entrepreneur, depending on their business and things like that. But that's where I think having that guidance is really important because what you do, what, how I, how I guide someone who's a W2 income versus someone who uh, is either, uh, you know, 1099 because they're just, you know, they are, they're charging people and they don't really need they don't need, they may be an S corp or an LLC, but they're just invoicing people and that's perfectly fine. It can be, it can be so varied that the guidance is a little bit different because, and I get it too. I understand it. I don't have steady income on a a month to month basis. So it's a little bit different. Doesn't mean that you can't do it. Right. I love that. So how can we get more of you? First off, I know you have a lovely freebie that you're offering for anyone who's listening. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, talk about discounting, but never, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think what's so important is to have this conversation is really to make sure that women have a safe, a safe place to talk about, you know, to just, just ask their questions. And so I am doing for every, for any, any of your listeners, anyone that's part of your network is a 30 minute money clarity call, especially as we're here at the end of this weird year of 2020, really help to strategize to vision out for 2021, answer your top, you know, top of mind questions and walk away with some actionable tips and strategies that, uh, that can be helpful for you, your personal situation, doing a free 30 minute call. No, again, no obligation. If we can, if I can be helpful, you know, past that, then we can certainly talk about options, but you'll walk away feeling clear, confident, and that you, that you can own the money game. Love that. And then I'm on social, I'm trying to build out my social media. One of my, my Achilles heel is getting myself out there and building my, my presence. I'm someone who likes to hide behind (laughs) things so much that, um, I'm really trying to build my community and my social media presence. And so my Instagram is, uh, Renee Laurie, it's R E N E E L O R I. It's my personal, 
uh, Instagram that I will starting in 2021, I'm going to start to pepper in some, I like it into it. And, um, yeah. And then, so you can, you know, DM me on Instagram or my email is R E N E E dot C O H E N at N as in Nancy M as in Mary.com. Love that. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. So if you're driving right now, listening to this podcast, don't worry. You can click on it in the show notes once you find your parking spot. Um, well, thank you so much, Renee. But before we leave, we have to get carried away. That's how we end every episode. So during this crazy COVID quarantine time, what's, how are you keeping yourself entertained? Um, what are you listening to, reading, binging? What are you doing? Binging on a lot of Netflix. I feel like uh, that's- Did you watch The Undoing yet on HBO? Yes, I watched that last night. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't want to give any spoilers <laughs> Right, away. no spoilers. Right? I but didn't read the book. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It was really, really good. Um, I'm also, I binged on Queen's Gambit. Uh, Loved it. That was also a good one. And watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance. So that's my, <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. Uh, all of them, the, you know, all of them. But, you know, just for educational, educational points or just the self-care, I think that's so important, especially this period of time is mm-hmm. really what does self-care look like? I love, you know, I like listening to podcasts. Um, I like Planet Money. I am a money Ooh. person. So I like to listen mm-hmm. to Planet Money. Um, I like to read books. I'm reading, um, I read a book called pivot by Jenny Blake. Um, and I think really, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good book. I think, especially as a lot of us women, we really have to do reinvent ourselves. Even if you're in the corporate space, even if you're on the entrepreneurial space, it really is about how to pivot and reinvent. Even if you still in the same career or in the same industry, whatever it is, it's, it's okay to have chapters of your life. And I think that to yeah. me is the biggest thing. Um, over this past year, I, I recently passed my CFP exam in November. So what I really, CFP, tell us so, that. Yeah. So a CFP is a certified financial planner, gotcha. um, that designation. And I, I passed the test in early November. So I really have been studying Thank you. Yeah, it was, Congratulations. A, it was a feast of a test. And um, for those who are in my real s- small inner circle, they, I've been studying for this test for a year. So, um, wow. A lot of my time during COVID was uh, studying for this test, but I knew that getting this designation for as many years as I've been in this business, I pivoted my career and I knew that this was going to be for the rest of my career. And I really wanted to make sure that I was getting the designations that were really the goal. That's so great. That's so great. So you're actually like one of the few people who were really productive. (laughs) Yeah, I really was. And I know that, uh, I, I, it really, I, it's weird to say, but I enjoyed COVID, this time of COVID because I didn't feel I can, I gave myself the ability to, to study and I didn't feel like I was missing out on a lot. So, yeah. uh, but I'm starting to feel the like, oh my God, now what? So, um, right. but I read a lot and I studied. That's good. Good for you. Um, I ate a lot. I ate a lot too. Believe me. I ate, uh, I've ate a lot too, because I have kept those small restaurants in business. (laughs) Me too. And I think that's a thing too. It's like, it's okay. We want to support our local businesses. So 
I know my grocery bill, my, my dining out bill or my, my postmate bill has gone up, you know, but I maybe haven't spent in other places. It's, but well, yeah, I'm not paying for valet. I'm not paying for parking or parking tickets. Yes, I'm not getting that, you know, that manicure and pedicure every two weeks. I, yeah. I figure it's called balance. It's all balance. And yes, I've ate, I've eaten my way through COVID and I'll probably continue to <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. So what are three things that people are obsessed about that they get, they get totally carried away about that. You just cannot wrap your head around. Like I feel like matcha tastes like dirt. I don't understand anyone who drinks matcha or goes on cruises. Cause that just seems like a death trap, especially now. <laughs> what are yours? Well, it's funny you bring up cruises. Cruises is my thing too. I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't, get it. I, don't I don't get it. I mean, I can understand how it's like, everything's in one place, but I don't understand the cruise thing. Yeah. Um, I never got into game of Thrones. I still don't yeah. get it. I tried watching it. And I'm just like, this is just not my thing. Yeah. So I don't understand how I sit through like six seasons of it. So that's definitely. And the third thing is why people just won't wear masks. Oh God. Can we just wear a mask so we can be done with this? You know, I'm like, if is, we is can just, that big of a deal. I mean, I don't get it. I just wear a mask. This is no, it's not a political statement. It is just, uh, you know, let's just, let's, let's treat each other with kindness and humanity. And, um, I just, I, I really, yeah, to me, it's like when I see people without a mask and I'm like, it's, if you don't care about yourself, let's care about other people. Right. So in fact, you know, it's so ingrained. I feel it's like wearing a seatbelt now. Put on a seatbelt, it's second nature. You put on a mask, it's second nature. When I was watching The Undoing, and there was a scene when she leaves the courthouse, I actually paused and went, she doesn't have her mask on. Because it was so, because it felt, it's present day, you know, it's present day in the show and everything. And I was just like, oh, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) This is fictional. (laughs) That's how much I was... Yeah, I know. It's so funny how we, how we think about that, but those, yeah, those are my three things. And, you know, I think right now, if I was going to add a fourth one and I don't want, I don't want to discourage anyone from this, but I do see really the last few months because there's so much talk about how well the stock market is doing right now. I see a lot of people who are wanting to just pick stocks Mm -hmm. And we have to be very careful by just saying, oh, because my friend told me to invest in this and that the Chinese, you know, electrical, uh, you know, vehicles or the up and coming thing to invest in, Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest in, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to pick the winners. I see too many people and I see too many people who are not licensed and not educated, who are just giving it on social media, just telling, you know, giving out advice to people. So it's really important when you're building out an investment strategies to be diversified, be uh, not only be diversified, but it's really relative to your plan and not to listen to just, you know, anyone on social media. Yeah. (laughs) Who's into Bitcoin or something. Bitcoin (laughs) or saying, Hey, let's go put your money into just Tesla or NIO or anything like that, where it's just like, let's go pick the winners and then get excited that the, that the stock, you know, that the, the, the stock is maybe doing well it that's, you're not going to win the investment game in that. So it really is about being diversified. So that's been getting on my nerves a little bit. Yeah. But I do want people to, to appreciate, I'd rather people do that than gamble, but, um, cause that's educated and smart. Absolutely. Like I don't take healthcare advice from the, you know, 24 year old, you know, I'm a health coach person. I would take it from my doctor. <laughs> 
The same is true in your case. I would not take financial advice from someone I wouldn't trade shoes with. Like, I'm like, no, 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 I'll call Renee. Yeah. Like I've seen like someone who's a nurse living out like, you know, on, you know, social media, giving out stock tips. And I'm like, well, I'm not giving out like medical advice on my Instagram. You know, I, I can't do that. So I think you have to, I think we're all trying, I think a lot of people are really trying to find what the next big thing is. And sure. the reality is the next big thing is to have a plan. It's not yes. about finding the, it, the, the, the hot stock. Right. Or the golden egg, right. Or the golden egg. There plan. isn't, if there was a golden egg, someone, you know, someone would have found it and would not tell anyone, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the golden egg is to have a plan and to really get that guidance that's relative to your situation and not just anyone. Yeah. You know? I love that. And to each their own, right? Like what's exactly. going to work for me is not necessarily going to work for what's her face down next, next door. Exactly. Um, yeah. We're yeah. all different. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Well, thank you so much, Renee. This, this has been very... really, I actually took a lot of notes <laughs> while you were talking. I was like, the Roth IRA. What the hell is that? I got to look into that. Like, um, factory bucket. Yeah. It's the Roth. It. Yeah. It's to make sure you have that, the Roth IRA. And if you can't do a Roth IRA, uh, because of income. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, like, Oh my God, I make too much money or I can't do a Roth IRA. There's non-traditional ways to put money into that bucket. And that is what's called the backdoor Roth IRA. Um, or you can do, and, or uh, people will have what's called permanent cash value insurance, um, in their plan. So they can actually use the life insurance as a way to build it as an asset. And that sometimes blows people's minds, but life insurance could actually act as an asset as well. Love that. That's huge. That I actually didn't know about life insurance. (laughs) Um, well, thank you so much, everyone check out, um, Renee on Instagram, but also check in the show notes, all the ways to get a hold of her. I'm even going to put in your LinkedIn I know you're active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn too, but that's that's way too hard to spell out. Yeah, so don't worry. I'll I'll put in the link. (laughs) Thanks so much, Renee. Thanks, Carrie. I appreciate getting carried away with you. It was so fun. (laughs) I felt wealthier already. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate what you're doing for the community. Oh, thank you. I love it. So fun. Just trying to bring them knowledge. Make more money, women. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Carrie. Thanks. I hope you learned something new. Now, if you are a female founder, thought leader, disruptor, and you're like, I can be on that show, then you need to email me with some topics. Email me directly, carrie at bra-network.com or send me a DM on the IG at bra underscore network. I'm always looking for fabulous, fierce females to feature. And hey, if you're a guy, I'll feature you too, because we all have knowledge to share. Until then, thank you for getting carried away. Go ahead and like and subscribe to all the things and all the places. Until next time, have a great day. Stay safe. Wear a mask.